So we'll start at verse 1. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him. So that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And we'll just jump down to verse 18, which says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself. But yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. And that's all that we're going to read uh, this morning. Um, So I'm just going to give a quick overview of this passage. You've probably heard this story before. It's quite a well-known story. It's one of the Lord Jesus' most famous parables. So even if you're not familiar with the Bible and you don't come along to church very often, chances are you've probably heard this story because it's a very well-known one. I'm just going to go over it quickly just in case um, you haven't. So this is a parable told by the Lord Jesus. And it details a story of a sower going out and sowing seeds. So back in the day when the Lord Jesus was telling this story, they didn't have sort of machines or plows or anything to go out and sow seeds. So what they would do is a man, a farmer, would take a basket of seeds, take a handful and sort of just throw them into the field and scatter them randomly like that. And as the Lord Jesus tells this story, the sower does this and the seed lands on four different types of soil. And what the Lord Jesus was trying to convey in this story is that the four different types of soil that the seed lands on represents four different responses or four different reactions um, to God's word. And what I just want you to consider this morning um, is which of these reactions, which of these four different uh, soils represents you? Which one are you? Even those of you who are sure Even those of you who think, I've read this a hundred times, I know that I am X, Y, Z, I know where I stand. I just want everyone to do a bit of soul searching this morning and just consider which of these represents me. Which of these four responses to God's word represents me. So just for a bit of context um, into the passage, um, at this point, opposition to the Lord Jesus was increasing. He was at the height of his popularity. We see that in verse two. It says great crowds gathered around him. There was a lot of people who were with him, but obviously the more exposure he got, the more popularity he got, the more opposition he got. And at this point, the Lord Jesus uses this parable to illustrate the responses to the preaching of God's word. And this is actually the first uh, mention of a parable in Matthew's gospel. Um, 
we'll talk about that. I keep saying we, but it's not me. Um, the person who's speaking next week will speak more about the purpose of parables next week. Um, but a parable, if you don't know, I'm sure you do, but it's just a simple story used by uh, the Lord Jesus. And he would take something that the people he was speaking to would understand. So in the context of this, the people would understand sowing. They would understand farming. It was something that was just easy for them um, to illustrate in their mind. And he took it and he would illustrate a deeper message with that. But don't want to step on the toes of the person uh, next week. Um, so in this story, there's sort of three elements. There's three sort of basic components and they all begin with the letter S, which is nice. Uh, the first one is the seed. So what does the seed represent? The seed is God's word, as I said. The seed represents God's word because, like a seed, God's word is living and God's word is powerful. And we'll talk more about specifically what God's word itself is uh, later on. But in this story, the seed never changes. The seed doesn't vary. The seed is constant. It's the soil that's the variable. It's the soil that's not the constant here. Because the word of God is the thing that never changes. It's our hearts that change. It's our responses that change. And then we've got the sower. So we've got the seed, and then we've got the sower. And we really don't get much information about the sower. Um, all we know is that the sower sowed. Um, and in terms of who this represents, um, it's clear that the sower is the Lord Jesus. He was the first to preach this salvation, to spread his word uh, through his name. However, it's also true that the Lord Jesus works through his followers and works through those who are already believers to sow his seed. Um, so many people in this room would be considered sowers of the seed. So we've got the seed, we've got the sower, and we've got the soil. And this is really where the sort of plot line of the parable comes in, um, because the soil, the four different soils, represents different responses to those who hear the word of God. It represents The soil represents hearts, represents different kinds of hearts. And just as a sort of, not side note, I suppose, but just as an important, important point to put on here, before we get into the sort of four different soils, it's important to note that out of the four soils mentioned, only one of them bore fruit in the end. Three out of four of the seeds did not bear fruit. So that's 75%, which is the vast majority. And I think it's important to note that, if we're looking at it, um, of what that represents, God's word is rejected largely. We know that. If we go into the world, we know God's word is rejected. We see that every day. The Bible talks about a broad road and a narrow road. We learn about that in Matthew 7, which must have been a good few months ago now. But the Bible talks about a broad road and a narrow road. On the broad road, that's where the majority of people are. And on the narrow road, far less people. But the broad road is the one that people start on. And it's the road that leads to destruction. It's the road that leads to death and to hell. Whereas the narrow road is a road that the followers of Christ are on that leads to Christ and to heaven. What road are you on? What road are you on? We'll come back to that a wee bit at the end. So let's get into the different kinds of soils. As I said, we've got four different soils. And if we just start at verse four, the first kind of soil is, I've just titled it the hard soil. I'm sure there's, I didn't do alliteration for these because I'm not good at that, but um, so I just call this one the hard soil. Um, verse four says, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. And I'm going to be sort of hopping between uh, the two passages that I read 
um, because the first one kind of describes the parable and then the second one explains it. So I'll just be kind of jumping back and forth between them. Um, so this first type of soil, the seeds landed on the path. So they didn't even really land on the proper soil this kind. Landed on the hard, really compacted path, this type of soil. And it just kind of sits in the surface, doesn't really get beneath the surface. And in verse 4 it says, birds came and devoured them. Now remember, in those days there was no concrete paths, there wasn't really cement um, or anything like that to kind of lay a proper path. Um, but nevertheless, there would have been a sort of path trodden that would have been compacted just by uh, years of people walking along it. And that is not where you want, as a sower, to sow your seed. That's not, as the farmer, that's not going to get into the ground because it's so compacted. And verse 19 says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So what does the hard soil represent? What does that mean? Remember I said, which of these soils are you? So which of these soils represent you? So remember to constantly be thinking, does this represent me? Is this me? Is this me? This hard soil, this hard dry road represents the hardened heart. It's those who hear the word of God and it makes no impression on them. Kind of in one ear, out the other. Doesn't really phase them at all. The word of God doesn't penetrate into their heart, just like the seed doesn't penetrate into the ground. Just kind of lies on the surface and it leaves them vulnerable. Leaves the seed, the word of God, vulnerable to being snatched away by birds, as it says in verse 19. Verse 19, it says, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in the heart. The birds, the evil one, sorry, is represented by the birds. The evil one snatches away what was sown in their heart. And of course, the evil one refers to uh, Satan or the devil. Um, And it's important for us to understand, I think, I think it can be quite uncomfortable for people. Um, I certainly do find it to talk about when they're in front of a platform of people to talk about hell and talk about Satan and to talk about the devil because it is really heavy um, and dark stuff. But I think it is important for us to address it, important for us to understand that there is an enemy out there. There is someone who doesn't want God's word to take root in our heart. Um, I think it was uh, Spurgeon who says, a hard heart does the devil's work for him, which is quite a quite a harrowing uh, quote, I thought, a hard heart does the devil's work for him. Now you may be thinking, this isn't me. No, this one's not me, move on, I must be one of these other ones. Um, I'm sitting in a church building right now, I'm listening to the word of God being read, this can't be me, I I clearly don't have a hard heart, I'm open to uh, hearing the word of God. But let's give this a second look because the evil one isn't opposed to us hearing the word of God. He's opposed to us believing the word of God because it's believing that the secret of salvation lies. You know, we can be, we can come along to a church every week. We can do good deeds. We can uh, be nice to people, um, but we can still have callous and unresponsive hearts. And I think a good example of this in the Bible of someone with a hardened heart is King Herod. Um, and we'll actually, I think he appears actually in the next chapter. So in a couple of weeks, we'll get on to King Herod. I say we again, not me. Someone, whoever is on the rotor for that week, will get on to King Herod. But King Herod clearly had a heart, hardened heart, but not maybe in the traditional way that you would think. He didn't 
raise his fist and was angry and rejected anyone who preached God's word. King Herod was open to hearing John the Baptist. He was intrigued by him. He wanted to, wanted to hear him, but he still had a completely hardened and unresponsive heart. It never penetrated beneath a surface level. And it says, as I said earlier, the evil one snatches away. I think that's quite a powerful image, snatches away. Before you even realise it, it's snatched away. I recently read a couple of weeks ago, I reread um, the Screwtape Letters. I don't know if you've read that. I read it years ago when I was young and didn't really understand it. And so I thought, I think it was actually Senga when we were around uh, hers for lunch, she mentioned it. So I thought, I'm going to give that another read because I would probably understand a little bit more of it now. Um, but if you've never heard of the Screwtape Letters, it's a satire. It's written by C.S. Lewis, who... Um, did the who wrote the Narnia books, and it's just an interesting read and an interesting take. And his imagination, obviously, said it's a satire of how he imagines the evil one tries to snatch the God, God's word away from us, how he tries to distract us. Um, I would recommend it because it puts it better than probably anything I could say. Um, it's important for us to be vigilant. It's important for us not to have hardened hearts or the word of God is never going to penetrate into our hearts otherwise. Even now, you might come along every week. You might think, I don't have a hardened heart. I come along to the family service every week. But within the first three seconds of the preacher reading the verses, you're zoned out and you're thinking about what you're doing in your week. Let's give this a second look. Let's think, do I have a hardened heart? Let's move on to the second one, the rocky ground. Verse 5 and 6 says, Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. So this one I just called the rocky ground, so we've had the hard ground, now we've got the rocky ground. Um, and in this one, there is some immediate growth. The soil does go into the ground, it doesn't just sit on the surface, it goes into the ground and some, a little stem maybe springs up, there's a little bit, but there's no depth of soil. The soil hasn't grown down um, because it's shallow soil with hot rocks beneath the surface. So it can't go, grow down. The seed can't grow down and take proper root, which results in the plant just being scorched. As soon as the sun comes up, that little stem that came and rose above the surface just gets scorched because there's no root beneath the surface. There's no depth. Verse 20 and 21 says, As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So the shallow soil represents the shallow heart. Someone who appears to have received the word, someone who on the surface may be saying the right things, but in reality there's no depth, no root has taken because the, sh the soil is shallow. Maybe someone who's had maybe an emotional response, who knows the words to, uh, to say, maybe wants to please those around them, but there's no genuine depth of belief. I think someone said it's a, this is a profession of faith rather than possession of Christ. And I thought that was quite a good way to put it. It's words, but it's not reality. And then the parable, the sun, when the sun comes up and scorches this plant, the sun is a picture for persecution or opposition. It's almost like when the heat is turned up, when the person goes back into their normal life and the heat is turned up, they fall away. 
when the realisation that becoming a follower of Christ might actually cost them something, they fall away. It might cost time, it might cost your commitments, it might cost effort, it might cost your reputation, it might even cost more serious things like your friends or your family members. As soon as that realisation hits this person, because there's no real depth, no root is really taken, it's grown up a little bit, but it's not managed to grow down. It falls away. As immediately as he's received the word, he immediately falls away. It's a false profession. Now, some of you may be thinking that you know people like this. I certainly have met people that this has happened to when I was younger. I used to go to um, a summer camp. And I remember because obviously at camp you're so tired, you're so on the go constantly all week, staying up late, uh, being silly, all this kind of stuff. You're running on zero sleep. I remember friends of mine who would get swept up in the last night um, in the motion of the situation and they wanted to please their leaders and they wanted everyone to come and give them a handshake and stuff. They would get swept up in the emotion of the situation and they would say the right words that they'd been told to say. But in reality, there was no depth of faith. As soon as they went back into their normal lives, as immediately as they'd received the word, immediately they fell away. Now, I'm not here to obviously judge who is a genuine believer and who is not a genuine believer. I don't know that. I, I'm not in the position. None of us are. Um, I don't want to be sort of pointing the finger at anyone. I want us all to consider ourselves. I want us to look inward and consider ourselves. Do we have a genuine depth of faith, just like the genuine depth of soil? And I think the imagery, I think the imagery in this parable is really powerful because it also says they withered away, which I think is quite um, striking in my mind. They withered away. Um, yeah, so let's move on to the third one, the thorns. I actually said the imagery in that one was good, but I think the imagery is actually better in this one. Um, verse 7 says, Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Now, this one is pretty self-explanatory. I remember when, if I would be coming to a kids' club or whatever, a Sunday school, and someone had pictures, this was always the best slide, because the thorns always had, like, evil faces and stuff, and would be choking the seed, literally. Um, but this one is really self-explanatory. The seed fell into ground with thorns in it, and the seed was choked out by the thorns. Verse 22 says, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. So this is one where the soil goes down, doesn't just sit on the surface, it actually goes down, it takes root, it's not shallow soil, it's genuine, a good soil there, but there's no resistance because there's a rival crop. There's something else in there. And what this is represented um, in the parable, the thorns represent in the parable, this worldliness that it talks about. This person, this is a person who never really pulls the weeds out. It's a person who never really truly repents of their old ways. This person in verse 22, it tells us, is concerned with two things. To truly repent and turn away from their sins. First one, cares of the world. Second one, deceitfulness of riches. So we've got cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches. So our first thorn, cares of the world. This is the first thorn that competes with the seed of the word of God in this person's life. It's caring too much, I take it. Take it sorry, I take it that it's caring too much about the here and now. Um, so in the moment, with no regard for the things of eternity. You know, getting caught up in your work commitments, your relationships, your social life, 
even secondary things um, that wouldn't, most people wouldn't consider top of priority lists, when these things rise, like your favourite TV show or your favourite sports team or even just your phone, social media, um, all of these things, when the cares of the world overcome the word of God, these are things that can lure people in and that can choke out the word of God. I think that's such a powerful image, choke out the word of God. There's no space for it in this person's life because they're so preoccupied with the cares of the world. Now, these things that I've mentioned in themselves are not thorns. I'm not saying that um, relationships and social life and work are thorns. I mean, if you want to become a follower of Christ, you need to just get rid of all these things. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's our attitude towards these things. It's our priority towards these things. So where we place these things um, in relation to Christ. And then the second thorn, the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. This is the second thorn that competes with the seed of the word of God. This is just wanting to go out and gain what the world has to offer. It's just never being satisfied with what the world can give you. But I think it's interesting that deceitful is the word used here. Deceitfulness of riches. It's not as it appears because the Bible tells us that riches and wealth can never bring true satisfaction. Now, it might bring comfort, for sure. It might bring luxury. It might bring even some good style. Uh, it might bring even some friends. Um, but not true satisfaction. Because the Bible tells us that the only source of true satisfaction is Christ himself. John chapter 6 says, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Christ is the only source of true satisfaction, not the deceitfulness of riches. Now, again, I'm not to say, I'm not trying to say that we've to remove ourselves from the world and that we've to just try and be as poor as we possibly can. Um, just take the worst job you can possibly get. Um, I'm not trying to say that at all. But in your life, if the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches are thorns, if these are thorns in your heart, and if you don't pull them up and truly repent, then the word of God is not going to be able to take root in your heart and bear fruit because there's no space, there's no air for it and it will be choked out. Now, that's the sort of negative part of the message over, thankfully. Um, and finally, we're on to the fourth one, which is the good soil. So we can say something positive, finally. Um, so verse eight and nine, we're on to the good soil. It says, other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So this is the final soil, the good soil, the positive part. Verse 23 says, As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. What's the good soil? The good soil is the person who doesn't just hear the word, doesn't just go into their head, but understands it, receives it, and allows it to take root in their heart. It doesn't just sit on the surface and get snatched away by the evil one. It doesn't just have the appearance of growth because genuine fruit is born, and it doesn't get choked out by rival crops. Now, I mentioned earlier that we're going to explain a wee bit more what the word actually is. What is the word? What is God's word? I've been saying it over and over. The seed is God's word. The seed is God's word. But what is the word? What is this word I'm talking about? The word isn't a word. It's not a single word. The word is a message. The word is a message. It's the message of how 
to get into God's kingdom. The word is the message that the Lord Jesus died on the cross for us. And when he did so, he took the punishment for your sin and for my sin. And God is inviting you into this kingdom. And the way to do so is to put your whole faith and your whole trust and your whole confidence in him. Leave behind the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and commit your life to following Christ. That is the word. That is the good news of the gospel. And you might be saying, okay, you've explained that. How do I know? How will I know what I am? How do I know if the seed has taken root in my heart? How am I meant to know? What's the evidence of this? And the verse tells us, fruit, fruit. He indeed bears fruit and yields. The fruit, the fruit of the Spirit uh, in Galatians, I think. Someone can correct me at the end if I'm wrong. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. I'm trying to remember them. There's a song I'm trying to remember. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the evidences that the seed has taken root in your heart. Matthew 7 says, By your fruits you shall know them. Now it does say some 100 fold, some 60, some 30. That's mentioned twice in the verse. And it's true. Some believers, some followers of Christ produce more fruit than others. However, the point that I want to take away from this is that all of these mentioned are a vast increase from that one seed planted. All are a vast increase from just that one seed planted. Now, <clears throat> you might be sitting feeling completely self-assured after that. You might be thinking, I know where I sit. I know which of these four categories I fall into. I am um, one, two, three, four, whatever. Or you might be feeling completely confused. You might be feeling completely lost. If you feel like that, feel free to speak to me or someone who is uh, smarter than me at the end. But regardless, I just want to bring back to that challenge at the start for everyone here to do some soul searching. For everyone to consider, have I got this hardened heart that's been described? Has the word of God really been able to penetrate into my heart? Or is it just lying on the surface? Is it vulnerable? Just sitting there waiting to be snatched up? Or has the word of God really taken genuine root in my heart? Or was it just a superficial, was it just an emotional response that I've made? Was it just, was I just trying to please people? Was it the right words? Or was it genuine? Or even are there thorns growing up around me? Have I got a rival crop that's risking to choke out the word? Or are you reflected in this good soil mentioned? Have you received God's word? Have you allowed it to genuinely take root in your heart? And you'll know this, of course, if you're bearing fruit for him. Now, there is a positive, of course, to end with positive, a difference between the story and the reality. Because in the story, obviously, soil, we know, soil can't just change um, by itself. Soil can't just, soil can't remove rocks by itself. Soil can't remove thorns by itself. Soil can't remove birds by itself, obviously. But your heart can change. If you accept the Lord Jesus into your heart, if you put your full faith and confidence in him, you can be assured that he will save you. You'll no longer be on that broad road that we talked about at the start, but the narrow road. And your destination will be in heaven with Christ. I'm just going to pray and then I've got one hymn uh, to give out uh, at the end to close with as well. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks for your son, the Lord Jesus. We give thanks that he came and died on the cross for us. We give thanks for this parable that the Lord Jesus told about 
your word, about God's word, about the message of how to get into God's kingdom. We give thanks for all of these examples of hearts that were hardened, hearts that didn't have a genuine depth of belief, but we give thanks that there is hope. We give thanks that there is hope to have good soil. We pray that if there's anyone here uh, this afternoon who has not accepted the Lord Jesus into their heart, who has not received him as their Lord and Saviour, we pray that they would do so. pray that they would at least consider these matters and pray that we would be encouraged to hear of souls being saved. And we ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.